Hello there. Welcome to Back of the Cereal Box and the Virtual Rec Room. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pike. You can call me Johnny. And this episode, I'm going to share my thoughts about Ms. Marvel and share some cool geek culture news and views and reviews that you can use this week. And we're going to do that right after this. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi's Strauss, Johnny Carson and Mickey Mouse. The first star was James Dean. Helmets Presley and he's still the king. Some things are only imitatable. You can't be that original. All right, friends and foes, welcome back to the Back of the Cereal Box Virtual Rec Room. I am your host, Johnny, and we are a pop culture podcast that celebrates the fun of the Saturday mornings of our youth while surviving adulthood today. When I was a kid, we didn't have iPhones or iPads at the breakfast table on Saturday mornings. We were reading the back of the cereal box. That was our newspaper. That was our world. And that was my portal to all of the cool geek pop culture stuff that I love today. Cartoons, comic books, movies, toys, board games, kung fu movies, kaiju, and even music. And that's what we talk about on this show. So welcome. Glad to have you with us. And first up this week, I wanted to talk about Ms. Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I really hate doing instant reviews or reviewing, you know, contemporary brand new projects and releases. I much prefer for this podcast to talk about older nostalgic pieces, films and cartoons from my youth stuff that I would watch on a Saturday morning or at a Saturday afternoon matinee. However, Marvel and Lucasfilm and Disney Plus in general is doing a really good job of capturing the feelings of my youth, the nostalgia of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And Ms. Marvel has been one that has done that. Now, let me just say this off the bat. I have never been a Ms. Marvel fan, a Kamala Khan fan. In the comics, I just her character just never resonated with me. I was a a fan of Carol Danvers as Ms. Marvel, but Kamala Khan just it was her power set and her extreme youthfulness that just didn't resonate with me, and so I I never really became a fan. This show, however, has done some things to tweak her origin, to tweak her powers, and to make her a more vital, important part of the greater MCU. And because they've used the stylistic approach of an Edgar Wright, like, you know, the the style from 
Scott Pilgrim versus the world or some of the aesthetics that you might see in the Mitchells versus the machines. I've really enjoyed the fun, nostalgic Saturday afternoon matinee feeling that this show has had, and it's turned me into a fan, and I've really enjoyed the show. However, I've felt like all throughout the run that there was something missing that was putting me over the top and just making me love it. There was something missing. Now, the season finale has just aired just this morning. I just watched it, and there are going to be some spoilers here, so if you've not seen it, you might want to put this on pause, go watch it, and come back and see if you agree with me. First of all, the season finale did something that I think all of the fans were hoping for but not expecting, and here's what I mean. Spoiler alert. They revealed that Kamala Khan is a mutant and not an inhuman like she was in the comics. I still feel like the bangle is Cree technology. I feel like that bangle they took off of a Cree warrior or a Cree sorcerer, something of that nature. When we saw the flashbacks of Kamala's great grandmother, the archaeologist, and, and they recovered the bangle. There were supposed to be two. And so that that started off, you know, tying her more into the Cree tradition. Um, but then they revealed in episode six that she is a mutant. And you even heard that guitar riff. And I know a lot of fans... Jaws dropped. I certainly was like, and a lot of people are really super excited. Finally, mutants are here. Woohoo! Yeah! However, let's not get ahead of ourselves because Kamala said something right after that revelation that I think is really Kevin Feige addressing the fandom and addressing the arrival of quote-unquote mutants to the MCU 616 universe. You'll remember she said, ah, it's just a label. It's just another label. And I think that was Kevin Feige saying, look, when mutants were introduced to the comics universe in the 60s, Stan Lee was using them to be analogous to the civil rights movement. People feared them, they hated them, but in today's contemporary atmosphere, that that notion really is very outdated. And some people even find it insulting to use the X-Men and mutants as a substitute for African-Americans people of color, and the civil rights movement. So I think that's Kevin Feige telling us, don't get so excited. Yes, mutants are a thing, but why would they be feared and hated in the MCU 616? This is a universe that has seen the Hulk, Thor, Captain Marvel, 
we've seen Captain America, Iron Man. They've seen wonders and marvels. They've seen Spider-Man. They've, they've seen all of this super heroic, superhuman activity. Why would mutants be any different? And I think that's important to note in the MCU 616 going forward. I don't think mutants are going to have the kind of place and impact that you expect them to have or that fans have traditionally associated with them. So while Ms. Marvel introduced mutants to the MCU 616 universe, I don't think they introduced mutants as the analogy to the civil rights struggle. We'll have to wait and see, but I think as Kamala said and as Kevin Feige wrote, eh, it's just another label. The second thing that the finale did was connect Kamala Khan to the greater MCU universe, which is something that was missing for me and something that I really needed to see happen And the bangles started glowing and opened up a portal and caused her and Carol Danvers to switch places. So we saw Captain Marvel appear in the very final post-credit scene. Now this harkens back to the Captain Marvel comic book series in the 70s and 80s when Rick Jones wore the Nega bands and when he uh, clicked them together he and Captain Marvel would trade places. Captain Marvel from the negative zone coming you know, into reality and coming into our universe while Rick Jones took his place in the negative zone and vice versa. While that is not what's happening here, it is establishing a connection between Kamala and Carol Danvers. And I think the connection is through her emotional connection and the way that she modeled herself and really, you know, saw, saw Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel as her idol and looked up to her. And so there's this emotional connection and we see in previous episodes that she's able to travel through time and dimension when there is this emotional connection, this emotional element and I think that's what's happening we won't find out until the next film The Marvels which will star Brie Larson as Captain Marvel it will have the return of Ms. Marvel Kamala Khan and of course we will see Monica Rambeau in that show as well now I'm just going to say this I was waiting for a couple of things to happen that didn't happen In the final battle, you have the Department of Damage Control, which, by the way, I love that they brought in damage control into the MCU. But you have them basically attacking these kids, and it's being broadcast live over the internet on TikTok and, you know, social media platforms and all of these people coming. But we didn't see any of the current MCU heroes show up. And this was a problem for me. If this was being broadcast globally, the way it was depicted, someone would have shown up. Wong, Doctor Strange, Sam Wilson, Captain America. Someone 
would have shown up. Ant-Man, the why I don't care. But I was waiting and expecting any minute for Sam Wilson, Captain America, to swoop down and, you know, help Kamala fight off damage control. That didn't happen. I was expecting maybe to see Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel show up to help the fight, or or both of them. Or, before they revealed Kamala Khan to be a mutant, I was really hoping that we would see Daisy Johnson, Quake, and Slingshot, or Ricochet, Yo-Yo, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up. That would have been epic. Or or a post-credit scene with Nick Fury. They did not go where I wanted them to go, where I hoped they would go, but that's okay. I'm not the writer. I don't own the property. So my only job as a fan is to sit back and enjoy the story that's being told and enjoy the ride as it's presented. And this was a great ride. Is it my favorite of the MCU Disney Plus TV shows? No. Is it my favorite of the MCU? No, but I enjoyed it and it's going to sit right solidly in the middle for me. I would love to know your thoughts about Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus. Send us a an email, a voicemail, Connect with us on Facebook on the Back of the Cereal Box Saturday Morning Rec Room. Let us know what you thought about Ms. Marvel and my thoughts about the finale and how it connected to the greater MCU. Are you excited? Are you disappointed? Is it the best thing that has happened? Is it the worst? Do you agree with me that mutants are going to be eh, just another label? We want to hear from you. Let us know. Speaking of the fun of the Saturday mornings of our youth and Saturday matinee movies, Thor Love and Thunder had a huge opening weekend. It had the biggest opening weekend of the character's film franchise. $320 at the box office globally. In the U.S., it was $143 and... Biggest opening, it's made a huge profit, so despite what people are saying or complaining about, it's been a huge success for Marvel and Disney, and we will see Thor return either in another solo movie or in the next iteration of The Avengers. And if you haven't heard my review of Thor Love and Thunder, you can listen to the previous episode where I give my thoughts about this film and why I loved it so much. Also, this week is the release of a brand new Star Wars novel called Star Wars The Princess and the Scoundrel, written by Beth Revis. And the novel takes place following the events of Return of the Jedi. And it's a story where Luke reveals to Leia their Darth Vader lineage, and it's going to explore how she handles that. Now, I will just say this. I understood why Lucasfilm got rid of the previous novel canon and called it Legends, but one of the things that those original novels did exceptionally well in the Timothy's on 
trilogy, the Zon uh, or the Thrawn trilogy, was to explain how Leia handled being the daughter of Vader, being Lady Vader. Now, I hope that, because a lot of fans like me are holding out hope that Lucasfilm in some way is able to adapt that material and make it canon once again. So I hope that this book doesn't do anything to change the the premise of the Thrawn trilogy Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. I would love for this to accentuate and to put Leia in a place to prepare her for those stories. I'd love to know what you think about that. Are you going to read Star Wars, The Princess and the Scoundrel? Do you care? Are you still angry that Lucasfilm got rid of the novelizations as canon as of 2014? And if you didn't know that, what is your opinion today? I would love to hear from you. You can either either leave us a voice message or send us an email and um, let us know. Now, speaking of Star Wars news, the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer has leaked, and I watched it. It's a minute-long clip. You get glimpses of Din Djarin and Grogu in his armor, Bo-Katan, and it teases some story arcs in the upcoming season. And I don't know where this teaser was captured from. I'm going to tell you this. It did not look like a true trailer. I don't know that it's legit, but we'll have to wait and see. I will tell you I'm excited about Mandalorian Season 3, and I believe it is coming this fall and I cannot wait to see the uh, the furthering of this story. Actually, I just looked it up February 2023. So we've got a little ways to go. But I'm super, super excited about Mandalorian Season 3. And in conjunction with Mandalorian Season 3, Hasbro is doubling down and Baby Yoda, Grogu, is taking center stage in the new line of Star Wars toys from Hasbro. They're super cute. Um, he may be 50 years, but he's obviously the breakout star, a baby Yoda. And these uh, these PVC toys have captured his many moods. They're very similar to some of the um, ones that have come out Earlier, they will make their debut at San Diego Comic Con on June 21st, and they'll be available on toy shelves in August for $8.99 each. It's called the Bounty Collection, and it's the fifth series that captures the pint sized scene stealer in poses ranging from cute and cuddly to inquisitive and intensive. And I know. My daughter's a huge fan of these, and I know a lot of people are a huge fan of these too. And um, he's going to be the main focus of the new toy line from Hasbro, which, you know, a lot of us are feeling like Hasbro has completely mismanaged both the Marvel Legends and the Star Wars license. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Let us know. In the comments, let us know with a voicemail, with an email. 
backofthecerealbox.fun. All right, friends and foes, I can't leave you without some breakfast cereal news. We love breakfast cereal on Back of the Cereal Box. That's a huge part of the Saturday morning experience. We eat breakfast cereal on our podcast every week in our pajamas. You can tune in live on Facebook or YouTube and see it for yourself and join in with us. But this week, Kellogg's and Nickelodeon have announced that they've teamed up for a nostalgic breakfast cereal. Apple Jack's Slime Cereal is here. If you don't know, (laughs) Nickelodeon introduced slime on a show called You Can't Do That on Television, where the, the kids on the show were slimed every time they said, I don't know, and it would fall from the ceiling and you know, slime them. And then it was carried over to the game show Double Dare. And so this is a classic breakfast treat with the green slime, Double Dare, nostalgia running all through it. It's the same iconic sweetened toasted orange green loops with their tangy green apple flavor. Although I've never really felt like it tasted like green apple, but that's just me. And now they've added little green flecks that, once the milk is poured, will turn the liquid a wild shade of Nickelodeon slime green right before your eyes. It's only going to be available for a short time in the U.S. I'm hoping that we can get our hands on some and do a taste test live on video for you guys. But if you've tried the Nickelodeon Apple Jacks slime cereal, let us know. What did you think about it? Is it a cop or a drop? We want to know. One last thing before we go. For me, a big part of the Saturday afternoon experience was Getting ice cream from the ice cream truck. The Jingle Jip Man is what we called him in my neighborhood. But I discovered that there are a lot of people who have never ordered ice cream from an ice cream truck. In fact, 17% of people say they've never ordered a cold treat from an ice cream truck. And, you know, that seems like a little bit of a low number to me. I would have thought that would have been a much higher percentage because over the years there's kind of been this perception of the creepy guy in the van selling ice cream and parents being a little bit wary. However, the poll also found that parents are now going to let and even encouraging their kids to have lots of ice cream from the truck this year. And almost half of parents are big fans of ice cream trucks and say it's an important part of summertime and of growing up. And I love that because I'm in that place. I've got an 18-year-old daughter who had never bought ice cream from an ice cream truck. And this summer it came by and I was like, we're going to go get some ice cream. And I think more and more people, more and more parents are experiencing the same thing. What about you? Do you love getting ice cream from the ice cream truck? Do you still do it? Would you let your kids do it? And if not, why not? Let us know with a voicemail, with an email, comment on Facebook in the back of the cereal box, virtual rec room. One last thing before we go. For me, a big part of the Saturday afternoon experience was 
getting ice cream from the ice cream truck. The Jingle Jip Man is what we called him in my neighborhood. But I discovered that there are a lot of people who have never ordered ice cream from an ice cream truck. In fact, 17% of people say they've never ordered a cold treat from an ice cream truck. And, you know, that seems like a little bit of a low number to me. I would have thought that would have been a much higher percentage because over the years there's kind of been this perception of the creepy guy in the van selling ice cream and parents being a little bit wary. However, the poll also found that parents are now going to let and even encouraging their kids to have lots of ice cream from the truck this year. And almost half of parents are big fans of ice cream trucks and say it's an important part of summertime and of growing up. And I love that because I'm in that place. I've got an 18-year-old daughter who had never bought ice cream from an ice cream truck. And this summer it came by and I was like, we're going to go get some ice cream. And I think more and more people, more and more parents are experiencing the same thing. What about you? Do you love getting ice cream from the ice cream truck? Do you still do it? Would you let your kids do it? And if not, why not? Let us know with a voicemail, with an email, comment on Facebook in the back of the cereal box, virtual rec room. And while we're clicking around, make sure you support this program. Join Operation Drop the Zero. This week, we were named and ranked as one of the top 10% of podcasts globally. Our goal is to get to 1% and you can help us do that by liking this episode, sharing it, posting a review, listening to more and more episodes of Back of the Cereal Box, commenting on social media, leaving us voicemails, emails, engaging with us, and if you really like the program, consider supporting us financially at buymeacoffee.com slash cerealboxpod, or better yet, just go to our website, cerealboxpodcast.fun and click the yellow coffee cup icon and you can buy us a bowl, two, three bowls of cereal, an entire box of cereal and support the program to make it better for you and to help us drop the zero and go from the top 10% to the top 1%. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much for being a part of the audience. If you like the show, tell two, three hundred of your closest friends and family to come share the fun. And until the next time, love you, mean it. We'll catch you on the back of the cereal box.